0: All right, if you can hear me above the rain, that's good. You know, it is, it is coming down again. God is blessing us there, I guess. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to begin here in Genesis chapter 2, looking at verse 16 and 17. Then we're going to look at verse, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Thus far, we're on a series that we've entitled The Sevenfold Strategy of Satan. In other words, seven things, that, uh, seven strategies that Satan has to lure the people of God away from God. Now thus far we've looked at two of the seven that Satan uses to attempt to draw believers away from, from God and affect their relationship with him. The first he uses is that of deception we looked at a couple of weeks ago. He is great at deceiving us and making something bad appear to be good. And the second thing that we looked at last week is making sin attractive. In other words, he can take a sin and make it look a whole lot more attractive than what it is. You know, Satan is the master at making sin against God look better than what it really is. And he can take something awful and he can make it look fantastic and what he does is he, he gets us looking at something that God has blessed us with, something that is good, and, and when he tempts us with it, we totally overlook the outcome. We totally overlook the end results of our actions if we give in to that temptation. And when that happens... Things don't always turn out the way we plan. When we give Satan that little bit of room, things don't always turn out the way it, 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 that we planned it to be. Now, I heard a song the other day, and I, I just said this song goes along with this message this morning. Listen to the words of this song, okay? Now, it, the song is about, and it's entitled, uh, The Burglar Under the Bed. Anybody ever heard The Burglar Under the Bed? Nobody's ever heard this song? You're missing a good song. Okay, Uh, anyway, let's take a, listen to this. Now, what it is, this burglar is going to come into this house. He figures it'll be an easy uh, way to get him some money because this is an old maid that lives in this house. So he comes in, he breaks in her house while she's not there, and he climbs under the bed. That's where it gets the title. Now, listen to the second verse, okay? Well, I'm going to look at verses 3 and 4. At 9 o'clock, the old maid came in. Gee, but I'm tired, she said, thinking everything was all right she forgot to look under the bed. So she took out her teeth and her big glass eye and the hair from the top of her head. This burglar man had 17 fits when he looked out from under the bed. From under the bed this burglar crept, for he was a total wreck. The old maid, she didn't holler at all, she just grabbed him around the neck. She never fainted or shouted. She was just as cool as a clam. Thank God my prayers have been answered. At last I found me a man. (laughs) This old maid, uh, uh, her revolver drew, said to the burglar, Young man, you're going to marry me, or I'll blow off the top of your head. Well, he looked at the teeth and the big glass eye, and he had no place to scoot. So he said to the old maid standing there, Woman, for God's sake, shoot. Okay? You see... (laughs) Things don't always turn out like we plan, do we? And when we give in to Satan and his temptation, his deception, you know, things you know, don't always turn out. We don't look far enough ahead. So let's take a look at this third strategy, you know, distorting of God's Word. And, and what I mean by this, Satan will take what God has said, he'll take and he'll turn those words all around till he gets us totally confused about what God did say. In fact, did God even say anything at all? Let's look at God's actual command here in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Here is what God actually told Adam when he gave him the command about the forbidden tree. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof you shall surely die. Now before getting into the conversation of uh, Satan and Eve, we need to first take a look here and dissect exactly what God did say to Adam. You know, all it takes to completely change the meaning of a command is to change a word here or a word there or move one word around, and that's exactly what Satan did. You see, God's command was simple. Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. That was his command. Of every tree of the garden. The emphasis, now don't miss this, the emphasis here is on what you can have, not what you cannot have. That's the emphasis in God's command. Look at all each you got. All of this you can have. So the emphasis God was making on the provision he was giving Adam and Eve, not the, the negative part of it. You see, by the God saying to them, you may eat freely indicated the abundance of which God had provided for them. You see, God was, prov- God was focused on, look at all this I've given you. Look at all this I've provided for you. You see, human nature, though, is to focus on what we can't have. Isn't that that the way we do so many times? We focus on what we can't have rather than what we do have in abundance. And that's what took place in the garden on this day. You see, this is exactly what Satan did when he took God's words in verses 16 and 17 and he distorted them in chapter 3 and verse 1. And let's turn there and take a look at how Satan changes God's statement into a question and once satan turned god's command into a question eve was totally confused about now what was said what was said and folks it works today this same strategy works today you know satan can take what god has said in his word and he can kind of say now are you sure this is what this says or are you sure this is what this means and then what we get to do we get to think well maybe maybe that's not the way i've always thought it was Maybe that's not really what God has said. Let's take a look now and see how Satan took, and he took God's word, okay, that God meant, you know, to focus on the abundance that they have, and he turned some things around, he turned God's command into a question, and now Eve had no earthly idea what was taking place. Look at this, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was uh, more subtle than any beast of the field which your Lord God had made. Now here's what he said to the woman. Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now you see, he he took God's command, he kind of turned it around. Now, thou shalt not eat is in the strongest form of something being prohibited that the Hebrew language can use. So by Satan turning it around, rather than Eve focusing on the abundance that she had, every tree in that garden, he took it and he turned it around and got her to say, Well, wait a minute. Why focus on this one thing? I mean, all these things we can't. Here's something that we can't have. And folks, that's what happens to us so many times today. We get focused on what it is we can't have. You know, our neighbor has this, our family members have this, and and this, that, and the other. And rather than looking at what God has blessed us with, we get to saying, why can't I have that? You know, why do they have that and I can't have that? And then what do we do? We go to manipulating circumstances within our life and our finances to get what we want, and then what happens? We get ourselves in big trouble. We have to focus on what God has provided for us. And don't let Satan come in and do what he done to Eve here and get her focusing on not on the abundance that God has provided, but what it is that we don't have, we can't have. You see, God didn't dwell on the thou shall not. Rather, he made a strong exclusion of of that one tree. You see, God's focus was on the abundance that he had provided for them. Every tree of the garden, he said, you can freely eat. Every one of them. That was God's focus. Look, here basically, I'm going to paraphrase this. Look at all this I have provided for you, Adam, Eve. Look, Look what's available for you. You know, it's all yours. I have provided it all for you. But guys, listen, that that one tree, just stay away from it, okay? Just stay away. Look at all that I have provided for you. But stay away from the one tree out of all the rest. Now, don't miss this. Again, I'm going to say it again. God's focus was on all that they were blessed with. But the serpent, when he came on the scene, he caused Eve to see what wasn't provided for them? That one tree. And rather than focus on that one thing, you know, I mean, all those things God had for them, she focused on that one thing that was forbidden. Now let's take a look at how Satan distorted God's word here. Okay, Here in the first uh, verse of chapter 3, God gives us a good look at what Satan is really all about. Again, look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle, Then any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now notice a couple of things about this. Satan was the most subtle of all the beasts in the field, God says. Of all the beasts, he was the most subtle. Now, that word subtle is, is kind of an interesting word because the word has many different definitions. Some definitions of that word are positive, some definitions of that word are negative. You see, subtle in the positive virtue is rendered prudent. It's rendered prudent. Now, in other words, a, a prudent person or a subtle person in the positive aspect of that, they're careful, they're cautious, they're practical. But subtle also has a negative virtue about it, and it's rendered crafty. It's rendered crafty. In other words, this person is cunning. This person is sneaky. This person is shrewd. And what we have in this passage is that it's rendered crafty when it's talking about Satan. You see, one who is crafty is always self-centered. You show me a crafty person. You show me a sneaky person. You show me a person who is shrewd. And I'll show you a person who is out for no one but themselves. They're a very selfish person person everything is about their gain and that's the way it was with satan here the second thing we see in this passage is how satan was able to turn around the word of god to make eve hear what he wanted her to hear not what god had said to her here's what he said "Yea, hath god said now hath god said is better translated has god indeed said now, 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 you see what he's done here? He's taken God's Word, he's distorted it, he's turned it into a question, and then he tells Eve, now, did God really say this? Did God indeed say this? You see, by turning God's statement into a question caused Eve to begin doubting what God really did say. You see, turning God's statement into a question caused Eve to center on the restriction, okay? On the restriction rather than the abundance that they had. And this began casting doubt on God's Word and not emphasizing the fact that God had originally said they may eat freely of every tree, of every tree. Now, a distortion of God's Word caused Eve to become careless With God's word. Listen, when Satan distorts God's word and you listen to him, okay? Then what that is going to cause is for you to become careless with the word of God. Verse 2 says, And the woman said unto the serpent, Now don't don't miss what the woman says. That because Satan has just asked her a question here, has God indeed said? And the woman, she says this in verse two, the woman said, Well. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. That was her answer. Notice she leaves out the most important things that God had said. She left out the fact that they could eat freely, and she left out the word all, all. Again, one may say, well, that's just a couple of words left out, but she, she knew what God meant here. But those three words left out completely changed the focus of their provisions. Completely no longer was it what God had provided for them. Now the focus was on what he would not allow them to have. You know, nobody likes being told what they're not allowed to have, do we? You know, we don't like that because that's so negative. But that's what Satan did. Now he turned his focus on the negative, what they could not have. You know, you tell a kid they can't have something, and what they're going to do? <laughs> they're going to do anything they can to get it. Not just a kid; some adults are that way too, Okay? You tell them they can't have it, they're going to go out of their way to have it. Now, Eve then added this. Don't miss this. Eve ne- then added, neither shall we touch it. <laughs> now, in God's original command, did God say anything about touching it? No. Nope. nope. Now, look at this. Verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, which God did, neither shall you touch it, least you die she inserted that <laughs> see Satan got her now she don't know what the heck was said she has no idea really what God had said okay by adding neither shall you touch it what Eve was doing she was exaggerating the limitations that God put on that one tree she exaggerated you know the limitations you know making it sound more negative than what it really was it wasn't it negative yes it was negative but by adding we can't even touch that tree (laughs) my goodness Uh, maybe maybe i better not even look at that tree maybe that's what god was saying but i definitely i can't even touch it no that's not what god said again what that done it exaggerated the limitations that god had put on the tree don't touch it she said by now satan's got eve totally confused as to what god said and that's how he works he gets us so turned around on what God has said, that we get to the point that we don't even know if God has even said nothing, okay? We don't know if He's even said anything, you know, at the issue that is at hand, because now we're totally confused. Now, the third thing here is the distortion of God's Word will always bring about sin, and sin will always bring about blame, you know? i I, I tell you what... Uh, you come around my house any time and you'll see blame just threw around like crazy, you know. Uh, I know, uh, you know, Lucy come in there, what, the other day and, you know, blamed Evie for something. And Evie blamed e, uh, Lucy for that. And, you know, everybody's always blaming everything around my house, you know. I'm always the one at fault. I guess it ends up, but, you know. But have you ever noticed that about a kid? If they do something wrong and there's another kid there, who gets blamed? The other kid. Nobody wants to accept responsibility. Now, let's look at this in verses 12 and 13 here in chapter 3. So God confronts You know, after, after Eve takes of the forbidden fruit that she was told not to eat and that she thought she couldn't even touch, then she gives it to Adam and Adam takes it. Okay? Now, look at verse 12 and 13. And the man said, okay, God asked, you know, what have you done here? And he said, the woman that thou gavest me She gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. Ever notice that when God's word begins being distorted and sin becomes rampant, people always shift the blame to someone else. And we do that as adults, folks. We grow up doing that. It's always somebody else's fault that I do what I do. You see, I'm this way because one time my father told me no and I was scarred for life. God forbid a dad tell a kid no. That's going to scar him for life. You know, but that's the way we do. You know, I'm only the way I am because of my mother or because of my father. You know, my daddy drank. That's why I'm an alcoholic. You know, on and on the blame goes, but when the Word of God has given specific instruction, we must take it at face value and never allow Satan and his craftiness to distort it and and get us to doubting God's Word. Look, Adam blamed it on the woman that God had given him. Or did he? Let's look at that for just a moment. Think about Adam's response here. You know, who was Adam actually blaming his sin on you know did he blame it on Eve the woman that God gave him or was it God's fault because God is the one who created the woman and brought her to brought her to him himself so who's, who who actually was Adam blaming here? God the woman that you gave me made me do this. So I think Adam was blaming both Eve and God had God not have created that woman, Maybe Adam wouldn't have sinned, huh? You see, you see how he kind of shifts the blame here? But no, it wasn't Adam's fault. It was Eve's for not listening when Adam told her to eat of the tree, and it was God's fault for creating this rebellious woman to begin with. Now, let's look at Eve. Eve blamed it on the serpent who beguiled her. It wasn't Eve's fault. If that serpent hadn't come and beguiled her, she would have never done it. Now, beguiled simply means deceived. So Eve was saying to God that it wasn't her fault that she fell for the devil's misleading of her. It wasn't her fault that she fell for the trickery of the devil. It wasn't her fault that she fell for the devil's misleading. No, it wasn't her fault at all. So, you know, whose fault was it? You know, she felt it was the devil's fault for coming to her in the first place and deceiving her. You know, let me tell you something. Flip Wilson did not have it right when he said, the devil made me do it. You know, the devil, you know, for the child of God cannot make us do anything. And we have to remember that. You know, we do what we do because we choose to do it. And it's no one's fault but our own. Look here, Daddy may have been an alcoholic, but that does not uh, actually, I mean, uh, automatically make you an alcoholic. You choose to take that first drink. Look, you you know, Daddy may have been an abuser and, and beat up on his wife and beat up on his kids, you know, but just because you slap your kids around and slap your wife around, don't blame it on Daddy, you choose to slap her around. You choose to slap those kids around. You see how we're always shifting the blame? That's the way Satan works, folks. We have to understand, I make choices in my life, and the choices I make in my life, I'm going to have to live with the consequences thereof. We can't blame someone else. But here in the garden that day, Adam blamed Eve, and he blamed God. You know, Eve blamed the devil. Now, it's kind of interesting because let, let, let's go on down here. The serpent blamed, who would he blame? Okay, he blamed no one. He blamed Noah. Look at verse 14. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the rest of the days of thy life. Now notice three things here in this passage. First of all, God asked Adam if he had eaten from the tree. We notice that in verse 11b, Hast thou eaten from the tree wherefore I commanded you not? So God approached Adam and he asked him, did you eat of the tree? God asked Eve what she had done in verse 13. And the Lord said unto the woman, what hast thou done? But look at this. God asked the serpent nothing. He didn't ask him why he did it, what he did. He asked the serpent nothing because, you know, rather he said to him, because you have done this. Because you have done this. Now, what's the significance there? Look at this. Why did God ask Adam and Eve what they had done, but not the serpent? Here's the reason, folks. Adam and Eve were created with a free will, and they had the ability to say no to sin. They had the ability to say no to the serpent when he was out to deceive them. You say, well, how did they know that he was out to deceive them? What did Eve say? He beguiled me. That simply means he deceived me. So she knew exactly what the devil was doing. She knew exactly what the devil did. So what we understand need to understand here, he asked Adam and Eve what they did because they were created with a, full, a free will and had the ability to say no to the serpent. But the serpent, on the other hand, God did not come ask him what he had did. And the reason for that is, you know, he was only doing what he does, going about to deceive and going about to seek whom he may kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he does. Going about, seeking whom he may devour. So God did not ask him why he did what he did because he was just doing what he's supposed to do. Look, does God really mean what he says in his word? You bet he does. You bet he does. If Satan can get us to question God's word, to doubt what God has said, then he has successfully opened the door of our minds to sin. Because the moment you begin questioning God's word, your mind is open to that sin. Had Eve have never questioned what God had said, satan could have never got her so confused she had no idea now what he said because it opened her mind at that point to sin that was the root of the temptation that adam and eve faced they weren't satisfied with all the amazing things god had already given them they wanted something that god had told them they shouldn't have in order to fall into temptation there's two things they needed to believe okay two lies that we too fall into today. The first thing is this. In order to fall into temptation, they needed to convince themselves that their choice would have no negative consequences. When we fall into sin, that's usually what we do. We convince ourselves, well, if I do this, there's not going to be no negative consequences to it. I don't really think that God is going to punish me for this. I don't really think that there will be some consequences if I do this. They convinced themselves there wouldn't be. And folks, when we fall into the temptation of Satan, remember, he can't make you do it. He can dangle it out there in front of you. But when we fall into the temptation of Satan, it's usually because we've convinced ourselves there won't be no repercussions if I do this. Things will just go on as normal. The second lie is this, that they were choosing or that what they were choosing was really good for them, even though, though God had said otherwise. They convinced themselves. That fair fruit looks like the best in the garden. You know, surely if I eat it, there won't be no consequences, the first thing we just talked about. And that's got to be good because it looks good. Because it looks good. Look. Look. If Satan can convince us of these two things, again, the first one is that there won't be no consequences, no negative consequences, and second of all, that it's really good even though God has said it wasn't. If he can convince us of those two things, folks, we're constantly falling into his trap. Constantly. We've got to trust God's Word and what God has said. And when Satan comes around doing what he does, that's why God didn't ask him why he, you know, what he did because he was doing what he does. We've got to stay true to the Word of God. We've got to stay focused to the Word of God. We've got to you know, he, you know, hear God and his words the way they are, not let Satan get us totally confused with what it is. And you know what? The main thing is don't play the blame game. If we've done something wrong, if we've sinned, take credit for it, go to God. You know, here's the thing. In 1 John 1, 9, we've heard that passage all our life. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The word confess there simply means to agree with God. So if we agree with God that this is sin, then there's no blame on no one else, is there? God, I have sinned. And when we have that attitude, he says then, if we agree with him, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What about you this morning? Are there some things in your life that Satan has is tempting you with? And maybe you've been wrestling with it and saying, well, you know, God has said no, but boy, it sure looks interesting. God has said no, but it sure looks good. Maybe I misunderstood what God said. Trust God's word. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, listen to me. Satan is going to throw all kind of reasons out there why you don't need to accept Christ this morning. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. If you're a child of God and there's some things in your life you know is not pleasing to God, don't let Satan convince you that it's okay. It's okay. Give it to God. And trust God. Let's pray. Father we come to you.